0: Hello and welcome to the Promised Land, a
1: show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett, as ever. Post-Manchester Derby victory, pre-Crystal Palace visit. Uh, Rob, are Man
0: United back? <laughs> <laughs> back as in what, Scott? Like what? Back, like back they won't be back to the
1: trophies, will they?
0: But, well, but... Well, You were there, Rob.
1: I mean, in terms of like being back, you said to me off pre-record that that atmosphere was just unlike anything you felt at Old Trafford for a long time. Mm. There's a bit of a, there's a swell of optimism. There's a manager who knows what he's doing. There's a bunch of players who are actually showing that they're
0: not crap. (laughs) And uh, it's all right, isn't it? It's all right at the moment. It is all right. Look, feelings don't pay the bills. As you can probably tell from me talking here, my my voice is still gone. I think I probably did ruin it at the derby from screaming at the two goals and various points during the actual football match. But I think before the game, and we talked about this, didn't we, on the show, there is this kind of groundswell that stuff is getting better, but like properly better. Proper healing, proper going towards the football team or football club that you want to be. You know, the owners are nearly out the door. That's another part of the story. There's happiness around those things. I think with Ten Hag, what he's built in such a short space of time is significant. And it reflects in the league position. And that's what really counts. So... Yeah, the, the derby was amazing. The, the, you know, before the game, during the game, after the game, it all kind of knitted together perfectly. Uh, Old Trafford, I've been lucky enough in my life to kind of see some amazing things in that stadium, 13 Premier League titles and everything else that goes with it. But overall, you just felt that there was, like United had turned the corner. I said that in the last show. This is where United are now. They now need to maintain it and grow it, and keep going in the right direction. Limit expectations, and concentrate on quality.
1: We just mentioned there, Rob, limit expectations. That That is mm. not in the interest of the show today. Um, because <laughs> we're going to basically, I think the idea here is, because obviously we are now, what, four days, three, four days post-Manchester Derby, mm. which means that this is the first podcast we've done since everybody's seen the Marcus Rashford offside has been done to death. I'm sick of talking about it. I'm sure you are too, Rob. Uh, The world is not sick of moaning about it, but you know, uh, we can, we can unpick it if we, if we want, but with a palace game on Wednesday uh, and with a big game with Arsenal coming up on Sunday, we just felt like it wasn't the right thing to do to look back on it, but or to look back at the, how United won the game in a sense, but we're instead today, what I think we'll try and do is look at, what, we learn, what we've learned about the team over the last 19 games? How, how many games is it? 19 games, one yeah. defeat, two draws, something like that yeah. in all comps. Yeah. Uh, United are now one point behind City in the table. Nine points behind Arsenal, who are looking really good. Uh, Crystal Palace is next. And then a trip to the Emirates on Sunday. And it's not inconceivable that United win that game. I know Arsenal are looking brilliant. But I, like to me, it looks as though United and Hog know how to plan for these kinds of matches. And we've already seen once this season that they can hit Arsenal with quick counterattacks, and that's happened again against City. And it's just, I think they'll United will give Arsenal a tougher test than Spurs did. Let's let's just say that. So, what we'll try and do today is look at because there's discussion of Man United in a title race. This is, this to me, this Man City game, the Palace game and the Arsenal game, we're one game down, was a test of how far United have come, whether they're in the title race or not. And if they win their next two games, they are bloody well in our title race. And we can say that. Rob thinks they are already, um, but we'll talk about that throughout the show today. We'll, we'll look at it the bigger picture kind of thing. We'll look at City, we'll look at Palace, we'll look at Arsenal, but more so with Arsenal on, on, a, on Friday's show. Uh, and we'll just look at where United are at the moment, what we can expect. Is Are we right to expect more? We'll see. Uh, but yes, anyway, subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes. And you can watch us on YouTube twice a week as well on Tuesdays and Fridays. So head over to the channel, like, subscribe, join the community. Uh, hit the notification bell as well. I, I just, uh, you, you should do that. <laughs> Please do that. If you want to never miss a show and get it as soon as it drops, do that too. The links should be in the description of this episode as well if you're listening on an audio platform and follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and that promise MU for the show. So um, my first note here is this week is a test of Man United's title credentials. Nobody could have dreamed that Man United would be in a title race this season. I'm still hesitant to say that they are because I think my default here is that I think city will get their, get their shit together and they will go on a run of 10, 15 wins in a row and eventually overtake everyone. They play Arsenal twice uh, in the next few months. They play Spurs twice, although Spurs are useless at the moment. Uh, But I think City have shown previous form for themselves going on a winning run like that and turning around a title race and taking control. Arsenal looking great at the moment, but all it takes is one, two results to not go their way. And that gap of eight points or nine points closes, shrinks right down. And in mid-January... If United can go to the Emirates and end Arsenal's winning or unbeaten run at home this season. It's a different conversation is all I'm going to say. So what we'll try and do today is look at everything we've learned about United since the 4-0 against Brentford and apply it to what we can maybe expect for the rest of the season out of United or what we can hope for out of United. Maybe that's a better way of putting it. So you think United are in a title race currently. Is that correct, Rob? And Why?
0: Yes, Your Honour, I do. That's what I believe. Um, And I believe it simply because you've got to look at the table and the table dictates that you are one point behind the champions who, like you just said there, can put together this run of, you know, 12, 13 wins and go on and win the championship this season. Man United are on their coattails. I think the other important factor is that they proved, and this is my own personal opinion, I think that they dominated the game against City bar 20-25 minutes. Now, that's not something we've been able to say even in previous derby victories for Manchester United. You could always go, yeah, we punched them in the mouth, we hit them in a counter-attack, we won the game 3-2, 2-1, 1-0, whatever. You've never actually been able to say that they hung with these guys, that they actually went, yeah, do you know what? We'll keep the ball, we'll pressurise you, we'll do the things that we're good at and you're going to have to react to us. And I think this is where City are having problems now because they could always, as you just said, click their fingers and get themselves back in the title race just by playing well for three or four or five games, getting 15 points without thinking, and they're back in it or back in the title race at the top. There is definitely something wrong with Guardiola's Manchester City. I think it's just a case of expiry. Like, I think that their squad has you know, climb the mountain, got to the top of the mountain. As they always say, the wolf at the bottom of the mountain is always hungrier than the one at the top. And they've just been at the top for so long. That doesn't mean they're a bad team or they can't go on runs, but you can watch them in real time, Scott. They're not doing the things that you would expect. You know, Guardiola said after the game, didn't he, That, uh, that his fullbacks and his players are not doing as they're told. Why? What's going on? So, Let's park Man City and look at Man United. Because I think what we're seeing at United is the opposite. I think the players have bought into Ten Hag's vision and they're doing as they're told. And there was a little bit after Anthony Martial went off in the derby, as we were just chatting about before with Anthony, where uh, the manager just for 10 minutes was just coaching him, get in this position, push this way, push this way. And that was all he was doing, the technical area. And I was like, I like that because it shows the manager is invested with the players. It's not full Conte, but it's more like Guardiola. It's coaching in real time and making sure your players are doing the right things. Man United are in a title race, Scott, whether people like it or not. I'm not going to say it in a in an outward way that United are going to win the league. Of course. Like, That's a different conversation. To. Totally different conversation. But United are in the title race because they deserve to be. That's the bottom dollar. There's easy ways of being pessimistic about it, and I will say, don't get too high, don't get too low. I still believe that, but you've gone and beaten Man City, and you've done it on your own credentials. You've not done it with luck. You haven't robbed them. You haven't kind of it's not smash and grab. You dominated them for a long period in the game, and City will go away from that game, Scott, and go. That's a different football team we've just played there. That's not the Man United we played for six, seven years. It's a different club. And Guardiola said that, you know, in his presser repeatedly. So with Arsenal, that game is to come. Obviously, we've got Palace to come up. And we'll talk about that now. But I think with the Arsenal game, yeah, if you can get that six point swing in a title race and you're, you know, you're suddenly only a win or two away from that, from being top of the table. Wow. How could anyone have predicted that? Only six months ago when we were talking about the team in preseason and the issues and the first games and Brentford and all of the mess ups that are right at the start of the campaign, you know, not buying players that people wanted, then going and buying players and oh, it's just such a mess. Now your owners are going out the door and you're in the best moment you've been for maybe 10 years on the pitch. Do these things correlate, Scott? I think they probably do. Seems
1: like it. Uh, so let's, let's stick in on that point. I mean, you mentioned there, Rob, that United play Palace. Um, one thing we have learned, I don't want to speak too soon here, but I'm sure you feel the same. But there was a time, and there has been times over the last few years where, and they could, like, don't get me wrong, United could drop points tomorrow. They could, they absolutely could drop points. Yeah. But the difference is, I would go into this Palace game. A season or two ago, thinking, I know United are dropping points here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas now, and I'm sure the players were probably thinking that as well. They've had a, they've undergone a massive shift in mentality. Hmm. I think the players know because of the leadership of Ten Hag. I think Casemiro has made a massive difference as well. Rafa Varane, you can see Bruno Fernandez is even starting to, you know, ride those cocktails a little bit and f- develop into the leader that I think most people expect him to be. I get the feeling now that United are actually, this isn't lip service. They are taking each game game by game. <laughs> I know we're looking ahead to the Arsenal game and the Palace game as fans, but Bruno says straight off of the derby, oh, we got Palace on Wednesday. We know that's a difficult game and we're taking it one game at a time. That's not lip service. I, I actually think these players believe that. And I have more confidence now that they will look ahead to each game as it comes, and try and do a job. You've shown that they're quite malleable. They've shown already that they're quite malleable. They can mm-hmm. adjust their uh, tactical plans dependent on the opponent. They obviously want to play their own style of football and dominate games, but I think it's quite unrealistic to think within six months that Eric ten Hag, with an incomplete squad as well, is going to come in and absolutely obliterate everyone with 70%, 70% possession. That's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... United's last upset was at Aston Villa. That was a massive off day. I've, even even since then, I feel like the players have matured a little bit. And I think Eric Ten Hog's really got in their heads now. So I'm looking at that game and I'm thinking, I expect United to win that game. And every United fan has been conditioned over the last 30 years to think, I expect United to win that game. <laughs> so that tells me that I think United are getting back to whereabouts they should be. And I think the future is bright, even if it's not this season where they do compete. I think ownership changes, and with if everything falls into place, I think next season we are talking about title contenders. I, I absolutely think that. But
0: yeah, sorry, Rob, I've been I've been rambling for a little bit there. I don't know if you want to pick anything. No, 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 you you go you go for it, Scott. I'm I'm all good with that. I think really, it's, and this is really why. Last season, when Arsenal was struggling at times, why I said next year there'll be title contenders and why there was a lot of waffle on that. People were like, well, you're going mad. It's not about whether a team is winning in the moment. It's about what you're seeing in performances strung out over periods. So like you just said there about the Palace game, you're absolutely right. This is the kind of game where you'd have gone, well, a wet night at sellhurst Park. You know, United will go there. They'll think they're going to win it before the game because they're Man United. Palace come out, punch you in the face. You're 2-1 down at halftime. You're fighting to kind of win the game or even get a point. That was a script that we'd seen played out like a film over and over and over again. And what I will say is this year is that now we live in this kind of Twitter age. We, I think fans, this generation of fans, are conditioned to think the opposite. They're conditioned to think that Man United will make a mess of it. But you've got to, you've got to read it on what you're seeing. And I think from day one to where we are now with Ten Hag, the progression that we've seen in that six months in terms of personality and the signings that have come in and changing the mindsets of the players who are already here, we always used to say, didn't we? We didn't joke about it. We were like, these players are better than people give them credit, but you've got to be coached first. And I said, right at the start of the season, take takes six months to get philosophy in, in players. That's how long it takes. Well, we're now nearly six months on, aren't we? And you are title contenders. You are. So whether you fall away at the end of the season, like you just said, you might lose to Palace. You might lose at Arsenal. They're ahead of their project, Arsenal, the Man United. What have you got over Arsenal at the moment? You've got one big thing. You've got elite experience Mm -hmm. in the players. Absolutely. Arsenal still don't have that. Arsenal are young and they're fresh (laughs) and they're brilliant but they're being led by Nincetri at the top end of the pitch. They've got young players like Saka, Odegaard. Odegaard's been at Real Madrid, so I think he understands that pressure a little bit more, being at the very top at the very top club. No offence to Arsenal. That's where you're going. You're, you've not been a top club for a little while. I think Man United, bringing in those players like Varane, bringing in a Martinez at the back, who's been winning titles at Ajax and have, have higher expectations. Casemiro, title, title, title. Even your existing players, Luke Shaw, De Gea, they've all been in winning teams. You know, they know what it means to kind of have to win or be have that pressure on you. That's going to be the difference, Scott, in this. That if Arsenal get a little bit itchy and go, it's not quite work this week, something's happened, or you get a bad injury, say so you lose Odegaard for the rest of the season or a sacker. If you ain't lost one of those two players, I would then think they were in trouble. I would think, yeah, you're, you haven't got a bench that can look after that. Because I think Man United have a more robust structure in terms of their experience. So it's all to play for. Let's go for it. You know, I don't think United should now have that preconditioning of what we had with other managers going all the way back to David Moyes, where you kind of go, oh, we expect to kind of trip and fall. No, play your game and tell Crystal Palace, if you're not on your best form today, we're not going to beat you 1-0. We're going to hammer you and we're going to show everyone how good we are. And I think United are in that moment. They're not taking anyone for granted or any teams they're just going out there and doing their jobs. And that's a powerful thing, Scott. That's what City used to do last year. Do your job, win 12 in a row. United are now what? Won nine in a row in all competitions. So that that winning is the absolute best habit any football club can have.
1: You mentioned there about injuries and this kind of thing. And we are, again, talking big picture. We're in the middle of the January transfer window about Costa has signed and done a, an interview. Uh, with man united which have been has been released on channels on tuesday i expect him to play actually against palace um especially with doubt over randy marcial we'll we'll hear mm-hmm. from eric ten Hag. maybe you've already heard from ten Hag by the time you listen to this um do you think if we are talking title race title tilt for the rest of the season till may do you think united have the a big enough squad capable to maintain that
0: at the moment i think they've got a big enough squad But what needs to happen, what we'd have hoped in this window, but I do think the ownership changes has dramatically altered plans in terms of the transfer market just in the short term. I think United's squad is still pretty big, Scott. Like, it's a big squad. It's probably bigger than kind of other squads. The difference is do you have the quality to maintain those things? So let's be honest. If you hadn't got Veghorst on loan, and Martial pulls up in the derby like he did, and obviously out the game. And we knew that we knew that Martial only trained one day before the derby. So it's kind of expecting to see uh, maybe anti-Martial at 80% kind of player. And that's what we did get. If he was being taken out now for a week or two or three, you'd be thinking, right, what are we going to do? You know, can you get Jaden Sancho back quick enough? Well, you're not thinking like that at the moment because you've bought a striker, you've got that player in. And that's good man management, good team management from from Ten Hag. He's looking at his weaknesses and he's concentrating on them. As Again, as, in the, as the media and as football fans, we tend to focus on stuff that we kind of like and dislike, don't we? And that's how we do it. Because I think the manager is thinking much more broader, like, how do I win the next game? How do I win the next three or four weeks of matches? And you keep it more concise. You don't look to March. You're looking to today and tomorrow and the next week. And I think that he kind of looks that he's got players now that can do stuff in those positions. Interesting to see Anthony play for 10 minutes as a centre forward, because he has done that in the past for, mm-hmm. yeah. for the manager at Ajax. It wasn't particularly good against City for 15 minutes that he did do it. But you've got options, haven't you, Scott? You have got options. Might not be perfect options, but you've got players that seem to be raising the bar. If we'd said that Delo was injured after the World Cup mm-hmm. and you were going to be stuck with Aaron Wan-Bissaka as your right-back for a few weeks, everyone would have gone, trouble, trouble, trouble. Now everyone's going... He's quite good, that Aaron Mambasaka, isn't he? He's like, what's he doing? What's happened? So even players... Malassia,
1: Rob, like I know you, yeah. you've not been too hot on him. I thought he was great the other day. Personally, I think,
0: Mal- I think Malassia is honest as the day is long. Yeah, I think he's he's that kind of player. He has got quality. It's about unlocking it, and he's young, and it's about giving him minutes and developing him, isn't it? And teaching him and educating him. What did we say in last week's show? Education is the key to freeing a player. And I think that that is exactly where we are with Aaron wan But it also means that there's hope for other players in the squad. Like, you know, if you get forced to play Harry Maguire, Harry Maguire isn't fast, but is there a system that works with him where you could help and integrate him? Now, personally, my answer to that is no. I don't want Harry Maguire starting. I really don't. Not if you're in a title race. I think he will go out the door eventually. But it gives you hope, doesn't it? Garnacho, at the start of the season, I said, yeah, he's 18, but you could teach him. He's like, all these 18-year-olds are like sponges. Yeah, They're just going to soak up information. And game to game, you'll see these big leaps and improvement. I think Garnacho changed the game against Manchester City. I think he came on and he gave Walker a torrid time down the outside. And obviously, he goes one-on-one with Ake for the goal, slides the ball in, and Marcus Rashford scores like a stone-cold poacher. So I think it's all positive. I think it's all good. I think all the stuff we're looking at... There's going to be players going out the door now in the next week or two, there's no doubt about it. Some of the fringe. You might have to go and get someone else on loan for now. But I think the long-term health of Man United, I feel like I feel the same about United today as I felt about Arsenal a year ago. That's how I look at it. I go, yeah, in a year's time, all of these kind of nooks and crannies will be sorted. And you're going to be in a much better position. And if you've got new owners putting money into the football club as well, then you can go buy better players. You'll be in the title race this time next year. There'll be no debate about it. So I think it's it's a good time for Man United, especially, I think, with City and Liverpool just starting to falter in terms of their projects. You can see it, Scott. It's not an issue of form. There's something psychologically going on with those two football clubs. And that means there's space to go and exploit, get in the top four, start fighting for titles.
1: I've seen that quote from Eric Ten from early in his reign about eras. Eras, yeah. Uh, floating around, all eras come to an end. There's something along those lines, he said. Yeah. Liverpool I, I, is pretty much blatantly obvious to everyone. Uh, yeah. City maybe not as obvious because they're still second, but there's hmm. there's still suggestions. You look at that. I looked at City the other day, and I don't know how much you noticed this, Rob, but they were. Harland was coming deep and making runs like from deep sprints, like in behind defences, and instead they would just turn a blind eye and pass it sideways.
0: He was playing as a false nine, Scott. Like I, it, it, it's it's madness. Like we were watching it, and and him going back towards his own goal to play a false role. We honestly were like, oh, brilliant. This is like, this is your dream. Like he's running away from Luke Shaw. Mm. He's running away from Varane to go and play football. Yeah, if you want to go play football, and, and And that was obviously, I think, one of those little small tactics that Guardiola, Guardiola looking back to what's worked against United in the past. Yeah, that works when Gabriel Jesus is running backwards or Phil Foden's running backwards because they'll get the play, they'll turn the spin and you're off again, aren't you? Harland is more like a forklift truck reversing up and down the road. And it's it's a problem for him because he doesn't want to make a 60-yard run to get behind the defence. He wants to make a 5-yard, 10-yard run. So uh, I think Guardiola Guardiola is great and City are great and they will sort it out. But it's over a period of time. It might mean that they have to sacrifice the title race this year because they they are needing to sort stuff out in a much more, I think, forensic way than maybe anyone ever thought that they would do at this point. It's a football club that's got tons of talent, but ultimately there is something not right. And you watch them and they do not look like the same football team. They look like a team that are, are on their last strands, like the sell by date is literally about to expire. They can sort that out, Scott. But I do think that they'll have they'll have to take time to do it. Jürgen Klopp said it yesterday. Did you hear him in his presser? Mm -hmm. And he said, everyone thinks that because these players have done well for six years, that our our philosophy is to just stick with them forever. He was like, no chance. We will buy players, we will sell players. If they don't play well, they'll be out of the team. Now that's him setting his stall out. Guardiola kind of said the same thing, didn't he? Guardiola was like, I don't care about the title this year. We've got to sort stuff out. Well, all right, fair enough. Go and sort it out. You've got money. But it allows, it's an opportunity, isn't it, for Man United, for Newcastle, for Arsenal to kind of establish themselves in the top four and say, right, you're chasing us next year again. And it's a different kind of conversation. So on, on that, Rob, I think what you said there is really quite important. I
1: think that the players will feel that, that same way as well, especially if they, we'll talk about Palace in a second. If United you know, go and do their job at Palace and close the gap to six points, they'll be second for 24 hours, at least, yeah. if, if, if they beat. Palace. City yep. play Spurs on Thursday night. United then go to Arsenal on Sunday. I don't think Eric Ten Hag will let these players like not see this as a massive opportunity. And I don't know. Because like you like you said there, Rob, if if there are teams like Man City and Liverpool who are failing to like live up to expectations and they're going through potential rebuild periods, this kind of thing. As Arsenal have been criticized for, as Spurs have been criticized for when Leicester won the league. Your time is now. If you feel like you're in touching distance, you have to absolutely go for it. And if United win tomorrow, close the gap to six points, and then obviously they played a game more than Arsenal, but Arsenal play City twice coming up, and United played City twice already. If they can go to the Emirates and win, and they will be going into this game thinking, we can hurt these, we can win this game. That changes the picture for everything, and I think that changes the the entire mindset of the entire team this season. You you have experienced winners in there who will look mm. at the table as it stands and not th- and think, oh, well, we're not gonna we're not gonna try and win the league because Man City
0: are going to win twelve games in a row. Why can't they? Why can't United do that? You know, Ab- absolutely. And the thing is, you don't talk about winning the title. You just get on and win games and position yourself to win the title. That's the way to do it. That's what we exactly talk- what Ten Hag has said. Exactly, we can do it till we're blue in the face, and talk on our podcast, and you know, write about it, and say, "Oh, United are in a title race." And the if the players feeling good is not is not something that you can kind of just bottle and then just hand out a, as and when. You know, confidence does ebb and flow over a season, game to game, and players will feel better. They'll carry injuries. They'll try and they'll try and be in a moment where they keep winning football matches. But a, a good comparison that I was thinking about the other day is Conte in year one at Chelsea, right? And that was, he had a good squad, but he had to make changes, no doubt about it. And the first three, four, five games, they stank the place out. They were horrible. He's playing four at the back. He mm-hmm. didn't want to play four at the back. He wanted to play three. You want to play three, four, three. You wanted to go to his system. This wasn't working. You know, there was something there. And you looked to Chelsea at first six games and you thought, they might not even get anywhere near the Champions League places this year. Like They are horrible. They're a horrible team. And that's what I think you would have said about Man United in the opening weeks when you see them getting hammered at Brentford. What Conte did there was to kind of make the changes, prove to his players they were the right changes, and then the players just ran with it. And they won the title. So, they won the title that year, and it was a surprise in year one of a manager's tenure. But he proved to Conte that he could take previous experience and put it on a new team. That's what I think we're seeing with Ten Hag. Ten Hag is only taking what he's done at all his former clubs. Like go go back to what? Go ahead, Eagles. You know this is the same method he used there that he used at Ajax, that he's using at Man United. All through those football clubs that he's been at, and that breeds confidence. And you, nothing more powerful, Scott, than you can say to a player is, "I told you so." Look what you did yesterday. Look, it works. You beat Man City. I've been telling you, been ramming that in your head for six weeks, 12 weeks, longer, and it's working. And players love that. Aaron Wambasaka will be going, Isn't it nice to turn on social media and see people liking me again? It's powerful, Scott. It's powerful. So I think that connection between the manager and his players is what, is what it's all about. And I said, We contain Chelsea, that was there, and they won the title. Man United can win the title this year as long as they keep doing as they're told. These players keep pressing and harrying. And I think this is why Veghorst is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Veghorst is, mm-hmm. is going to come in. There's no pressure on him. Everyone has killed him before he's even worn the shirt. And he's a monster mentality. He's going to come in and say, I'm going to press everything that moves. When he was at Burnley, he didn't score goals. We know that. We know what the issues were. But he was one of the number one pressing forwards in the Premier League in that stint that he was there. So if you can replicate that at I Man United, United have got so much talent around that press that you can really damage teams if you've got centre-forward that can do all the things that Cristiano Ronaldo couldn't do. Yeah, he's not as good as Ronaldo, but he's more better. He's more perfect for your squad. So I think they're in a good place. I think that's why they are in the title picture, because say they win the next nine out of ten, something like that, even if you're still seven points behind Arsenal going into the last six games or something like that, you're still in the title race Mm -hmm. because they've only got to lose two or three or get an injury here or there, and you're suddenly turning the ball over. You're back to where you want to be. So I think United fans should feel good about it all, but I think they should should feel good not about the title challenge, but because of this manager. This is all on Ten Hag. He deserves all the credit. He's dragged these players up through the mud into a position of glory again
1: can't believe it's being suggested currently that Vout Verkhoost might make the difference to my United's title charts. However, like I did want to talk about the Burnley game. And as I said earlier, United have done, uh, <laughs> released an interview, an interview with Vout In info. You can read on the United's website and yeah. I'd imagine you, re- you can read it everywhere. There's a specific article on the United website, which is titled, My Game Suits Ten Hag's Style with a Picture mm. of Vout Verkhoost like this, Old Trafford. Yeah. Uh, he says, I think. I think that's something that's one of my strengths as in pressing. Mm-hmm. Especially without the ball, to put pressure on, a, on an opponent and be active. That's something I'm capable of, and that's also something in the way the trainer wants to play. He wants to play aggressive, he wants to go high on the pitch, try to recover the ball there as quickly as possible, and I think I can help the team with that. And then at the bottom, this is the United website again, presses per 90 minutes, twenty Premier League 21-22. Top of the list is Valk cost. Yeah, 48.7 presses. Dendonka, 48.5. Lanzini, 47.8. Fornals, Longstaff. And this was when West Ham were doing really well, by the way, as well, when yeah. they were, you know, properly on it and looking a really good team. Four nows, Sean Longstaff, Kulisevsky, 46.3 is the bottom of the six. But that's, you know, the top six presses. I honestly, I, I know there's a concern about Anthony Martial at the moment. Uh, injury-wise, he doesn't look fit, does he? He just doesn't look like he's all there yet. Um, and I, I do agree with you. I think there was a big difference in United's game. They they really ceded possession to City and mm. struggled to get out when he went off. Yeah. I don't think you have that without Weghorst on the pitch. And I think if there's a doubt about Martial tomorrow, I think he threw him straight in, personally. And I think, even against Arsenal, I think he's the type of player that can give... The, they a good defensive pair in Arsenal, you know, centre-back Piran, but I think this type of player can... He's a a bit of an... I know people know what he is, but I think he's a really... He's a massively unknown quantity in a sense, given he's never been tested at this level before. I don't think this will phase him at all, you know?
0: I think it's ironic because in those figures that he posted at Burnley for pressing, that's in a Burnley team that weren't a pressing team. Yes. (laughs) All right. right, so <laughs> so 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 this this is why it's double bubble. This is why these things, these metrics, really are important because it's his natural game. It's what he does. That's how he plays football. And I just think it's just the classical kind of Peter Crouch syndrome that you got a tall players. So you just think that they kind of they can head the ball and that's all they can do. You know, it's uh, it's it, it's that. That thing of that heightism, isn't it? I kind of call it where you get a big player, so they can only really do big man things. That's not really the case, I think, with Beghorst. You just said that he's not proven. I think the thing is, when we do look back at his his career pre-Burnley, this is a guy that basically scored one in two through his career. Like, he is a goal scorer. So I don't think that Ten Hag's bringing him to the football club purely just to press. He's going to be part of a, a kind of bigger picture with Manchester United's attack. I think that he will start against Palace simply because I think Martial has got this problem and he's still dealing with it and he came off at halftime. He's trained for a day or two before the derby. It didn't work. And now the smart thing to do, Scott, is to start Veghorst a little bit and give Martial some time out, get him right again, find him, find him back to fitness and form, find your way with Sancho back to fitness and form and use this player who has been Playing games for Besiktas, playing really well, played a World Cup, is fit as a fiddle. And you just drop him in. That's why you're bringing him into the club. I'm gonna make one more comparison. I made the Conte comparison a minute ago, and this is where people will clip this up and have a go at me. It's a little bit, a little, t- only very tiny, and I remember this because I'm old enough. It's a little bit when United bought Eric Cantona, right? May United bought Eric <laughs> Cantona, right? And it was at a time where everyone was saying, you should be better than you are, right? You've done this. You've done that last year. You messed the title up against Leeds. Leeds won the title. You know, Lee Chapman, David Batty, Eric Cantona, you know, like, ugh, horrible season. But you were, you were kind of November, December, January, and you just weren't doing what you were doing. You bought a player that could just do different things in your attack that wasn't Mark Hughes. And it clicked. And it clicked for everyone, not just Cantona. I think with Vecos, this is exactly the way are bringing him in, is that he's going to make it click for other players. That's what you're bringing him in for. He doesn't need to be the hero. He just needs to go and work his backside off. And you know you're going to get that. I think you know that already he's not going to jog. He's not going to stand on the halfway line and go, I'll just wait for the ball, is he? No, he's going to press. Pass me the ball. (laughs) He's going to be like... No, he's going to say, like you just said, that Arsenal's back two. You know, Saliba... And Gabriel done really, really well. Young players, or developing, you could say, players. Gabriel's a bit older. And they've done so, so well. And Arsenal's defence has been much more watertight than it's ever been for years and years. But what teams don't do is they don't go and take advantage of those two centre-backs. You know, their weaknesses. So the disadvantage there is for someone like Veghorst is to just go and push up on them. You need to do that, like clockwork. So if you have a striker that can do that, you're going to, good things are going to happen. You're going to be in charge of the match. So I think this is why you're buying this player and bringing him in. And I actually do think that he's going to be a bit of a cult hero. And I mm. actually do think that if he's successful, he will be at Man United next season and beyond. I do think that. I think at his age group at 30, he's going to be thinking, this is my last chance to win at a really big club. So give me a year or two or three, and I'll prove to you every week that I'll fight for you, even if you. I'm not Mbappe. You know, like that's just what it is. But I do think with Vegel uh, there's a lot more upside to this deal than there is down. It's just this I is why I don't get some of the opinion. A, you know. This is why I said go get him and not not Xiao Felix. Not that Xiao Felix is not ten times better than Vegel, but I tell you what, he's not ten times better in the press. He's not ten times better at bringing other players into play. You know, you're buying for a specific need at a time where you just need to strengthen that position, and that will help Martial. Martial playing less minutes means you'll get a better Martial. That's the truth. That's why you're doing it. Marcus Rashford is in like a mad vein of form. And I really hope they don't give him his contract just yet. Because I always think that when you get that big contract, form goes down the drain. You turn into a bummy Now I don't think Rashford... I don't think, think that's that going to happen, happen with him this time. No, though. but it's do you know what? Different. Yeah, but do you know what? You give him his contract, you agree it all, but you just don't play up to it. You give him the big number, you keep him, you say, we love you. We want you to the club for a long time. You just don't play it in the public eye, Scott, because that's what United have done in the past. And as soon as you do that, bad things happen so keep on the title charge give marcus his deal on the side but marcus can play number nine marcus has showed i think with that tapping to me just in that one moment i'm like yeah marcus rashford's worked something out that that is that's something that like rashford doesn't do it's new isn't it yeah it's new it's new it's not we always have criticized him that if he could tap the ball in from 10 yards he would double his figures overnight Marcus Rashford is currently doubling his figures. So I like that. I think all of that stuff is good. And I think then you know, you've got three strikers or three forwards and you're in a much healthier position than when your number one forward last year was Cristiano Ronaldo. So much more healthier. And you can go into next season with maybe your next forward, the fourth forward, adding a fourth forward to your forward line, who is an elite top class center forward who bangs in the goals and can do a bit of pressing as well.
1: Uh, just, a couple of notes, but I, I do like that point, actually. I do want to come back to that. Um, mm-hmm. About Weghorst on his ambitions. Trophies. Mm. That's quite easy. Trophies. Yeah. And that's also what the manager told me about. The expectations that are there. Also my role. And yeah, that's also something I want to bring. I think that's great to hear. Mm-hmm. That they're thinking about trophies already. Already in a League Cup semi-final. I yeah. think even, even the League Cup, I know it's not the, the biggest trophy in the world, but I really think, Winning that trophy is quite important to United this season. And also, you talk about occupying centre-backs and, and this kind of thing, mm. and we will talk about it more in the lead-up to Arsenal. Let, let's hope United do get the job done at Palace. I on, honestly think the Valkberg course can give that centre-back period a bit of a difficult time, and we've already seen. If you're distracting them and you have Marcus Rashford to run in behind, like he like he has done in that channel, When Arsenal are probably going to be bossing possession again, you'd think they'd want to be on top. They'd want to have that, you know, assert their dominance on the game. I think they'll play in United's hands with the plan. Uh, So it's an interesting, interesting look. Interesting. It'll be be good to see if their course starts tomorrow because I'm really excited to see what he can bring to the team.
0: Yeah. And, and the good thing is Palace are not in their best moment as well. Mm-hmm. Like Palace are very choppy and up and down. And I, I think that Vieira did an amazing job last year. So it's essentially the same set of players with a, lo- with a load of additions. But you can see that they've lost a little bit of their DNA, you know, tons of what, what they used to do well. And they're trying to be more pure and play a different style of football. And I think that plays into United's hands. You know, like, like if you want to pass it around at the back, you know, 20 times, well, we kind of set ourselves and we can hit you on a counter press. So we're going to press you high and we're going to get the ball back and we're going to win and we do our thing. I think with the Arsenal thing, their back four has been so, so good this year. I actually think Zikachenko coming back in, who I think is an amazing player on the front foot, is defensively culpable at times. Ben White is a much more stronger fullback on the other side, I think, for balance, but doesn't give you the top end of the pitch that value. So I think that Veggle's coming in. He just has to go work those two centre-backs, go and work them for the whole game and allow all the other United midfielders and kind of wide players to push up into that zone and go and hurt Arsenal. I think that that is exactly what Ten Hag is intending to do. He's buying this player for that exact reason. And that's why I think that that he'll be successful simply because it is his skill set. It's what he does. So we're not asking him to reinvent the wheel, are we? We're just saying, go and play your natural game. He wants to win trophies, Scott. You're in a title race. Go and win the Premier League.
1: Yep, Rob. Uh, you talked about elite striker
0: mm. a moment
1: ago. Um, you know, we'll we'll end the show today on transfer talk and this kind. Of... Did you see Napoli Juventus the other day? Any chance?
0: I did. Yes, of course.
1: Victor Osimhen absolutely terrorised three centre backs, and Napoli won five one. Yeah. I mean, I've never been against United you know, signing Victor Osimhen. I just think, you know, I think Harry Kane is just a plug and play kind of deal, but. Ooh, <laughs> he looks all right, doesn't he?
0: Ooh, and everyone's going to want him when he's on the market. So uh, there's, there's no doubt that United have been exploring it for a while anyway with the, the whole Osman in terms of the scouting of him and what they think of him. Um, I said last week, Osman does not really fit the Ten Hag system as it stands. And if you bought him, it's a huge gamble. And he's a, he, he could be the guy that people say him and Haaland... For the next five years, are the best two nines in the world. So wouldn't you want one of them? Yeah, you would. But I'm with you on that. I think that the Harry Kane is the plug and play option, and you could probably get him for less money than you could you get for uh, probably half
1: as much. I I would go even that far,
0: maybe half as much, but maybe double the wages. So it's kind of like one of those weird things, you know, like you're going to have to make it appealing to Harry Kane. And I've been really interested, like with the Harry Kane talk in the last maybe week or two or ten days there has been so many people like really against it, both outside of Manchester United's fan base and in, and so many like outsiders that just hate Harry Kane, like I don't understand you know, that. Ars- Arsenal fans mainly. You know, think that that kind of he's not very good. Harry Kane is elite. Yeah, he is. The numbers say it. He's shown it. He's done so much with England. He's one of the, he's the player that's kind of dragged England from being kind of also rans to like last four of a tournament and in finals and one thing or another. He's the kind of the, the crossroads point, I think. I think he could be that for Man United as well. I think if you drop him in there next year with all the other good stuff that's going on, I think he'll just score goals and assist freely every week. Mm. And we won't even... It will be like... Again, I keep doing these comparisons, Then I? have done like Cantona, I've done Conte. It will be a little bit like your cherry on the cape with Van Persie, is that you're just buying stone-cold quality for a problem. And if that's a problem... He's not going to be a problem. You just got to keep him fit somehow. Keep him fit, and you're all right. Everything's good. Keep building around that. Keep building the other positions. And and with new owners, we really don't know where what's going to be the case. Like I'm sure if you do get new owner, they're going to want to spend money and they want elite players who sell shirts as well. Like same as the Glazers in a way. But if they can put more capital into those, you become a much more attractive club. Look at what's going on at Chelsea. You know, four hundred million in the blink of an eye from this new owner. Owners sometimes like to play the ego game and put the money on the table. i actually think Ten Hag could be alright. That I think it's like, yeah, I'll take your money and I'll build my squad as long as he's given the control to
1: do. Yeah, I think he like he's he's seen already. He's already every signing that he's made. I think has been has had Ten Hag imprints on it. You know, I I feel like he's a strong enough personality and has already has enough control to veto something like a, yeah. a player that he doesn't want. It
0: has football in print, Scott. Yes, right? this is the problem. So when you buy a player, so listen to Jao Felix one again. Let's take that on the table. Jao Felix, great footballer. There is no doubt. There's tons of parts of that deal that got nothing to do with football, nothing. And I would think that's a compromise. Ten Hag is bringing players into the club to win football matches. The end. That's what he's trying to do. And I think if you stick to that, it's very similar to what Klopp did, to what Guardiola did, bought players that were unfashionable. I remember the day that Klopp bought Robertson from Hull and people saying to me, 11 million for that kid? He's rubbish. And I was like, in a year's time, he'll be their starter. He's amazing. He's really, really good. And down the line, Robertson, best left back in the world or whatever you want to call him at a certain point of his career. I want to see more of that at United. I don't want to see shirt sellers kind of taking over the club or your next Ronaldo or finding another Cavani or your next Falcao or your next Di Maria or maybe let's go for a Schweinsteiger. I don't want to see any of that anymore. Bring in players that help you win. I don't mind if they're old or young. They've just got to help you be better on a football pitch.
1: Let's uh, finish off, Rob. I know you wanted to say something on the way Chelsea are changing the market with the Madrid signing mm. uh, and how United may have a different kettle of fish to compete with in the coming years.
0: Yeah. I think with Madrid, what have we learned about him, so obviously he's away from Man United, but it does actually really impress on how United are going to do their own projects in the next year or two. Uh, we know in Madrid that that he wanted to go to Arsenal. We know that. That was the team he wanted to go to. We also know now directly from Shakhtar that Chelsea and Arsenal put the same deals up, same money value in terms of what they do. We talked about Man United a few weeks ago in terms of structures of deals that they're having to do it differently because you can't just put a load of money up and you can't, you can't make your wage bill inflate and there's FFP coming and new rules in the next two years and whatnot. With that deal there with Chelsea, Chelsea now spent 400 million. The important part of it is, is that they're structuring it over a kind of seven year period. Now, some people might think that's smart. They'll go, oh, you just pay 12 million a year and that's that. Selling clubs quite like it because they know they're going to get that 12 million pounds into their profits every year into their revenues. This is where football is going. Arsenal didn't put that kind of deal up. It was the same value, but it didn't put that deal up. That was what was vital. Man United are in the same position now with all their targets, and they're going to be in that position with Osman. It's going to be the same thing. Now, Harry Kane might be, as you said, 70 million, 80 million, 90 million tops. But I think you could get that deal over the line with a big chunk of money to Tottenham. But if you're looking at someone like Osman, Napoli going to want to be paid in a different way. And this is, I think, where the market has changed and why you'll find it difficult to go and get players. Because it's really hard to put out money over seven years. It's a stupid way of doing it because you're, it's a gamble. It means that in seven years' time, if that player hasn't done what you want them to do and then the next team Werner, then you're in trouble, aren't you? Because you can't cut your losses. So I don't like what Chelsea are doing, but it is indicative of, of what the market is doing. And I think United will eventually get there next year in the summer, but they can't do that at the moment because you can't promise money, can you, with a set of owners that are literally going out the door? So that makes it very difficult for May United to go out in January and buy someone of any substance.
1: You're just a Chelsea hater, Rob. Apparently. But you can't criticize this this transfer policy. I've had this experience in the last twenty four hours myself. You just hate Chelsea. Don't speak about Chelsea. I, I,
0: I have no I have no interest in what Chelsea do or don't do. I think we again we try and uh, have an arbitrary view on stuff and stand back and say, well, let's have a look and be calm about it. I think with Chelsea, we spent four hundred million in a very short space of time, and they're worse than they were last year. Now. Shakhtar, the president, said today actually that Chelsea said to them, Oh, it's not working for us at the moment, but we're changing lots of things. Well, change only matters if you progress. Now, this Chelsea team, I think, will get better. And I do think that they'll land a world star off the back of this. You know, could be the boy that they bought the other day from Ukraine. But it's just such a nonsensical, billionaire, idiot way of doing it. That's what it is. Spend money, fine, but spend it in the right way and find the right place and do some scouting. You know, Chelsea have not, Chelsea got a completely new backroom of all that stuff in terms of their scouting networks. So they're just buying what, what they're told is good, <laughs> rather than going, well, actually, we've watched our own team for 50 games now. Maybe we need a left back. Maybe we need a centre back. Maybe we now need to go and replace Rudiger. Maybe we need, now need a centre forward because Timo Verna didn't work out. They just seem to buy for every position. It's like scattergun. It's like a computer game. So I don't want Man United to ever do that. That like I'm not going to congratulate a new owner for spending four hundred million if it's four hundred million just on a lot of players. Go buy the right players, and I'm not interested in superstars. You know, go and buy a player that helps you win tomorrow and going forward. So, yeah, we wanted to talk about that because I do think there's going to be a lot more chat around that, certainly in terms of transfer windows. When this one closes, we will start talking about the summer window almost immediately, don't we? So we're we're not too far off that. And I do think there's going to be a lot of conversations about what happens with Osserman. You know, Chelsea got Nkunku coming, haven't they? So kind of they're going to be out of the Osserman stakes, you would expect. Mm. City, you expect, but like, who knows? They could just sign him anyway. We need an eighth striker, yeah. don't we, to go and sit on the bench. But they actually become less attractive because of that for other players because Nkunku going to be the starter. You're not going to go in and get an Osman who you're going to rotate with. It's not going to happen, is it? But then you look at City. They've got their striker. You could say that Liverpool might be in that place in the summer if Darwin Nunes looks like a bit of a bust. But then if Darwin Nunes is playing well at number nine, and Gakpo's playing well at number nine at the end of the season. They might not go for that kind of play. They've got to buy a whole new midfield, haven't they, Scott? Like we've said that. So United are in a good place with Osserman. Uh, and I do think, I know you don't think so with Newcastle. I think Newcastle are going to be the team who will be in the middle of all of this all the time because they've got 500 billion pounds. Oh, no, I,
1: I, think, I think they will. I just, you know. I think I they would look
0: at Kane put, Yeah, I, I just
1: think my, my thing was you put Newcastle and Man United as they stand. Mm. there's two options to harry kane and the money's relatively similar i still think he pick united
0: that's the logical at this approach. current moment that is the logical approach and you are right in terms of logic and football has no logic so i think that's the problem is that there's all sorts of things going on behind the scenes i think harry kane would prefer to play for man united in the same way the 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 young lad who's just ended up at chelsea did you see him go out at half time scott yeah and and he didn't look particularly happy it's like you know, I'm at Chelsea. I really wanted to be at Arsenal because that's the club I watch and that's the club I follow and I would have liked to have gone there. I think he'd come at half-time at Arsenal, he'd have been beaming with joy. I think that matters in football. You know, you want players that want to play for you. So I think Harry Kane could end up at Newcastle even if he prefers to play for Man United at the end of it. So let's see what happens. I think Rossman. It's a, it's a wait and see because the next six months, his value could go like mm. crazy. Like, could he be the first 300 million pound footballer Like we're talking right money. We can't dream of when Neymar was 200 and people were like, that was never going to happen a year ago, a year ago, like 80 million was like really a lot of money for a player, And suddenly it jumped to 200 in one fell swoop because the Qataris have got the cash. When Man United get bought by a Dubai consortium, going to be money to spend scops just the truth so you might end up seeing your first 300 million pound transfer or something between that two and 300 mark
1: right i have to leave it there because i've got to run rob uh, <laughs> we could talk back forever couldn't we we could uh, you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods uh, apple google spotify and the likes and you can catch us again on friday later this week ahead of the arsenal game let's hope united do the business against palace Head over to YouTube, like, subscribe, join the community and leave a comment for us as well and the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on an audio platform and follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise and MU for the show. United are apparently in a title race so uh, we'll see just how long they can continue to be in that title race and maybe by next Tuesday show they won't be in a title race anymore but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, Let's see how it unfolds. It's not the worst time to be following man united at the moment thanks for listening everyone and we'll see you very soon save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon shop these deals at your local kroger today or tap the screen now to download the kroger app to save big today kroger fresh for everyone